Hello, my name is Claire and you are listening to the Hypno Birthing Podcast. Hello everybody and welcome back to the podcast. Firstly, I just have to say, I don't know why this intro part is, the sound's not very good. It didn't used to be, I'm doing nothing different. I'm not sure what's happening and why the sound seems to be so bad, but I've, I've tried a few things and it doesn't really make any difference. When I actually record the podcast, um, particularly if I've got a guest, I tend to do it through Zoom, just because the sound doesn't do this. Um, so the, you don't get this issue with the actual con- the actual main part of the podcast. So I don't know what it's doing, but I do apologise. This episode is really exciting. I'm, I've been so excited to share it with you since we recorded it. As you can probably tell, it's a long episode and I really did try to edit it down as much as I could, but I just couldn't edit it anymore because everything in it is just so valuable and so interesting that I didn't want to take any of that away. Um, So basically I sat down with a podcast listener, um, Hannah, who shares her two birth stories. Uh, But what is so particularly interesting about one of her birth stories is that she actually had a vaginal breech birth. Um, completely by choice she knew the baby was a breech and she opted for a vaginal breech birth so she shares her story and it is very very interesting and it's also really inspirational I listened to it obviously while we were recording it and I found it fascinating and I was completely engrossed in every word she was saying uh, throughout the recording and then coming back and sitting down a couple of weeks later and editing it I felt equally as engrossed in it Um, it's just very interesting and as I said just very inspiring and I'm really hoping for you guys listening that even though probably the majority of you won't be having a breech baby you will still find a lot of what Hannah says and her just general ethos and view on pregnancy and um, you know connecting with your baby and and labor and things like that will just hopefully inspire you and you will gain something from her words and from her story and from her viewpoint as well so I will play the episode now and I hope you enjoy Hello, Hannah. Uh, thank you so much for coming onto the podcast and welcome. Thank you so much for having me. It's lovely. We've been uh, kind of chatting back and forth for a little while. Um, so it's really nice to, to meet you virtually and to chat with you. So te- can you tell everyone a bit about yourself, where you are in the world? Because I have to say where you are looks lovely. <laughs> um, yeah, I am Hannah and I live um, in Tanzania, which is in East Africa. Um, I was born and raised here. So yeah, I've been working as a safari guide for the past 10 years now. Um, so that's what I do to make money. And it's what I love doing. So um, I'm a photographer. So I do photographic wildlife safaris. That's what I specialize in. Um, but I'm also a yoga teacher. So I do yoga safaris as well or I call them wellness safaris because I like to bring a sort of holistic element you know with nutrition aromatherapy massage yoga and just the kind of slowing down that I think safari really needs and a lot of the time it's like go 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 all the time so how lovely that's um, lovely yeah it's it's amazing and it just 
I love it because I was brought up, my parents were in the safari industry my whole life. And so it's really what I grew, grew up with. And now I have my two kids and they come with me. Um, Willow is two, she was two in November and Chala is four months old. So oh, it's quite okay. a handful, but <laughs> we're doing yes. it. So they go with you on the safaris? Yeah, yeah. Wow. yeah. So they're going to, but they're going to grow up with it just like you did. How amazing. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of the time, I think, I think if people aren't used to the story, it can sound quite extreme, but it is really how I grew up. And I have two incredible ladies who come with me and they help me and support me. Nice. So while I am guiding and working all day, um, they are taking care of the, the, the kids. And um, Willow, I breastfed for 14 months and obviously I'm still breastfeeding Chala. Yeah, cool. So it's really important to me that they can be with me and that going back to work doesn't mean that I have to sort of compromise on how I wanted to start motherhood. Definitely. Well, yeah, they're like adapting around you, which is great. And yeah, yeah. definitely a good way to do it. Yeah. Perfect. And yeah. so perfect. So the reason that, well, one of the reasons, other than the fact that you have two really lovely birth stories anyway, um, but one of your births, your second, with is it Charla, you said, mm-hmm. was a breach vaginal yeah. birth. So we're going to get onto yeah. that in a minute, but it's a really great story. And when I read it, I thought, how amazing. And I'd love to chat to you on here because I know so many people would just find it really interesting, but also really inspirational because... I mean, having a breech baby when you get to sort of term is fairly rare anyway. I think it's like less than 4% of babies are yeah. breech. But there are obviously people um, that that happens with. And I think many people maybe firstly don't know their options when it comes to that, but also just immediately think of the cesarean route and don't really realise or don't have the confidence maybe to feel like they could explore other options so talking to you and and kind of learning about what happened with you and and how you felt about it all is really interesting because it will give hopefully people a little bit of a different perspective and you know then they can explore another option if they want to as well um brilliant okay so before we get onto that we're going to talk about your daughter willow so tell us a little bit about you did hypnobirthing am i right Yeah, I did. So I have to confess that I was always a self-taught hypnobirther. (laughs) So I actually didn't. Being in Tanzania, I know there's a lot of online courses, but actually this was pre-COVID and there wasn't as much online as there is now. There wasn't. No, there's a lot now. Yeah. And I really didn't. um, I, I felt a little bit overwhelmed with the online courses because I didn't really know. I was still working. I have to say I was still working hard on safari until three weeks before Willow was born and so I also was um, not at somewhere where I had internet all the time and the online courses just were not something that I was going to be able to do and so I said okay well no problem I'm just gonna figure this out on my own kind of thing and because obviously I have a strong yoga practice and I have been um, practicing yoga myself at this point for over 10 years and I've been a teacher for six and so I feel like hypnobirthing and yoga practice just really marries so easily together Um, and as soon as I started reading so okay when I found out I was pregnant with Willow 
I went to see a really good friend of ours, well, Chris and I, my partner Chris and I went to see our good friend Caroline, who is also a midwife. And I was only about seven weeks um, pregnant. And I said to her, like, I don't know, you know, um, and I had previously had a miscarriage at 11 weeks. So I was also super nervous. Um, and I, you know, it's just, I didn't know really first pregnancy that I, again, that I was going through this sort of nerves with and she said to me okay well you know it's still really early and you're right to be nervous but um how about you start looking into hypnobirthing and and so now this is the first time I'm hearing this term hypnobirthing and she's a practicing midwife here in Tanzania and so I was like okay yeah went home started looking that up I was like whoa okay first of all the name doesn't really I don't think the name really explains what hypnobirthing is and so you know, at first Chris was like, this is hypnobirthing. No, I don't know. And then when I started to look into it, I realized, okay, well, this all just makes sense. Right. It's, yeah. It's not even like, oh, my mind is blown. Yeah. No, it's just everything about it was exactly how I wanted to approach the pregnancy. And to be honest, the hypnobirthing mindset and sort of just going inwards, looking for calm, looking to trust intuition, looking to connect with baby all of that I started doing from the very first trimester because I was so nervous um, anyway from the previous miscarriage so and I think anyway even if you have not had a miscarriage pregnancy is a time where everything is out of your control and Yeah. yeah it's so nerves and normal yeah so I started I started looking into hypnobirthing and for me it was really important to understand the physiology and to really confront like the biology of everything, what was happening. And once I had got my head around that, there was no more fear associated with labor. And for me, both of my pregnancies were very hard in the sense that I had really bad nausea and with Chala, a lot of vomiting, losing a lot of weight, struggling to just keep anything in. And so looking back, I'm whenever I um, talk to people, I'm, I always like to remember as well that Pregnancy is such a huge part of the journey and I feel like so much emphasis goes on to the birth, but actually we need just as much support and space for ourselves in the pregnancy as well. And, um, you know, it's easy to go through the pregnancy for some people, they don't feel anything and then uh, as in, you know, nothing negative, but it's just this breezy experience. And then all of a sudden you're there at the end, whereas for me, I was just like getting through it. (laughs) And in my second birth with Chala, more looking forward to the birth than with Willow, I didn't really know what was coming, what to expect. Yeah, you don't first time really, do you? Whereas, yeah, second time, I think if you've had a positive first experience, it definitely does give you something to feel maybe a little bit excited about second time, which yeah. is nice. So talk us through Willow's birth then. So Willow was born here in Arusha, Tanzania. Um and I had originally wanted a home birth but again it was my first first birth and Chris and I discussed it and here in Tanzania there's just not the medical services that you guys have in the west in the UK or wherever you're listening if you're in Europe or um, the states we just don't have there's it's hard medical facilities are just not up to the same standard and that you know then I was like okay well I still you know a lot of people were recommended recommending that I would go to Kenya or maybe to the UK to give birth but 
um, I just felt so I wanted to keep working and I wanted to be at home for as long as possible in the labor. And so I was very confident to stay here. Plus, um, my friend Caroline, who I mentioned before, had set up a midwife unit at one of the hospitals near here. Amazing. Yeah, so that's called Birth Matters. And she was no longer working there at that time. She was taking a year off um, just to have a break, as you do. But the two midwives who are working there, Mahela, an older Tanzanian woman, and then Sophie, a younger Australian woman, were working together to provide this continuity of care midwife service to women, which is amazing. amazing. And so I was so comfortable with them. They have their own little room in the hospital that you would go to and they have doctors who are on call, surgeons who are on call if needed, but the rest of the time you're just in their care and I felt so comfortable with them and they were also really complimentary with each other. So yeah, we were at home and I think it was about half past one in the afternoon and I was sitting on the sofa and I just stood up and all of a sudden as I stood up my water broke so oh, wow. dramatically yeah <laughs> just like just like the movies yeah and I thinking, oh your water, water might not you might not even notice <laughs> but for me it was like a gush of water and it was all over the floor and I was, <laughs> I was looking at Chris and he was laughing and I was laughing and we were like okay well I guess you know this is my water and I went and stood in the shower um, so that I could see the color of the waters and um, again, because we had this incredible personalized service, I was um, taking photos of the water and sending them on WhatsApp right. to Sophie and Mahela. And they were they were just talking me through. OK, that's fine. You know, I was having no sensations at all, like um, contractions of any kind or surges of any kind. And so they said, just try and eat and just take a, a rest. You know, it could take a while. We don't know. And then we'd looked up that, you know, it can take ages for labor to establish after water's breaking so yeah we kind of settled in but I guess I was just super relaxed um, because by about 5 p.m they were coming more consistently like every uh, 10 minutes I think at the beginning is when I started noticing they were consistent and Chris was using that Freya app yeah. which is so good because it just you don't have to write anything down or remember you can just kind of press when it starts and stops and then it tells you you know it's good so I got in the bath and my stepmom Joe was here she brought me a cake which was so nice and my mother-in-law Nikki was also here and they left together so that it would just be Chris and I here at home Um, and the dogs the dogs are so involved we were just talking about dogs but they were just so involved in my (laughs) early labor just giving me so much love and support yeah, they can sense um, it they have the instinct don't they they definitely can yeah sense it. they they really did and before I got in the bath I was sat down on the sofa and breathing now through the contractions not being able really to talk and they would just rest their head against me and just Aww. really I felt so supported by them wait um, and then I got in the bath for about an hour and I was still listening to Um, because in my yoga classes, a lot of the time I play music. So I already had very relaxing music that I associated with a sense of calm and peace. Um, So I was listening to those tracks and they were really helping me. I tried to listen to guided um, hypnotherapy tracks and leading up to the labor really helped in pregnancy. But in labor, I just couldn't it was taking me out of my zone. And so I just needed something that I didn't have to try to follow the words. And when I, I, was the- I actually always say that to people that you prepare with everything, but yeah. at the time you actually don't know how you're going to feel. You might 
yeah. really love those tracks and they might really help you through your labor or you might prefer just to have really nice calming music um and the same with kind of any like massage techniques that you might have practiced you no. might not oh, want no. it during your labor so it's definitely worth kind of practicing everything and preparing everything and then you have like hopefully enough things in your kind of toolkit for the day uh, just depending on what you feel like so yeah it's a good example of that yeah absolutely and there are so many things that I thought I would want and I didn't want and um, especially in the first birth because it's it does like you have no concept of time as well so you might think oh I'll do this and I'll do that and then it's like well actually you don't know if five minutes have passed or five hours or oh, that's how it was for me I was so no, that's, very, that's very true if you're very much within like the zone and you're kind of within yourself you don't notice time so your labor could be really long um but really it's long for everyone around you you are <laughs> yeah time just doesn't exist in a way I, I yeah I experienced that as well I completely know what you mean and it's when you're just very kind of relaxed and like inside yourself exactly <laughs> you what I mean there was no you know at that point already there was no outside dragging me I just said to Chris I think we need to go soon and then he went to get the car ready and then he came back and I was like no we need to go now <laughs> like yeah. and I always remember people saying oh you'll know when to go but for us it's over an hour well about an hour to get to the hospital so and obviously at this time now we're in rush hour in the evening and so the journey from home to the hospital was just like the worst thing yeah. in the world not yeah. because of the labor but just because I wanted to be back in my zone and here yeah, it's hard yeah motorbikes and people and shouting and nobody listens to the traffic lights so there's policemen trying to tell people how to use the traffic lights and <laughs> it's just so hectic and Chris was you know he, he was like couldn't go fast enough couldn't go slow enough over the bumps and it was yeah. just so many things and then when we got to the hospital, it was about 8.30 in the evening now. And I tried to get out of the car and then I realized I couldn't stand up. Um, and I don't know why I couldn't stand up. I just felt like I can't be standing without someone supporting me. I was like, there's no way I can walk. Do you know, what that, you know why that could be? Because when you are kind of almost fully dilated, like when your uterus and everything has been working as it should, all of the blood and the oxygen, it actually goes to your uterus. So your legs, some, oh, they're okay. often very like cold and probably quite like wobbly yeah. because all the blood and the oxygen has been taken out of them and gone to your uterus. So that could be why, maybe why you were feeling a little bit sort of unsteady. Yeah, because that's exactly, I felt so unsteady. I felt like if Chris didn't hold me, I'd just fall, right, fall over. Yeah. And I didn't so it could be, it. it could be why. Yeah, and, and um yeah, so he got a wheelchair and that was yeah. quite good. But it was, you know, you went to the hospital and the lights and oh, yeah. The other thing I wanted to say was in the car, I had read so many or listened to so many stories, including your podcast and all the podcasts I could find. Yeah. And so many times it was like, oh, in the car, my surges stopped coming or they went further apart. My surges were like, no, we're yeah, like we're here for it. There's yeah. nothing stopping us. Yeah. We're like happening. Yeah, and you so, were well into it. Yeah, there was no break in between and I remember it take snacks for the hospital so you can snack there was none nothing like that no. it was just like this is happening so I'm in the wheelchair the lights and there's like children crying in the hospital and things you know and so I just put a big 
cloth over my head and I was in the wheelchair covered and the people must have I must have looked quite scary <laughs> I don't know and Chris is trying to find the room <laughs> like where to go that's a good uh, idea with the covering your head it's a good yeah, idea yeah I just I I always have um uh like a we call it a kanga here which is just like a rectangular piece of material and it's used for everything you know you can cover yourself up if you're if you're wearing something that's too exposed and you go somewhere else and or you can um if you're cold obviously you can wear it it's for baby wearing now I always carry one I can carry my babies even willow still yeah wow (laughs) Um, and so I just had one of those and it just went over my head and it really helped and then we got to the room and so this was the first time that they were doing a water birth And I had imported, my sister had brought over one of the birth pool in a box things. Yes. Oh, yes. And I'd got permission from the hospital that I was allowed to use this birth pool as long as I donated it afterwards, which was fine. Great. Um, It just meant that nobody knew what was happening. So the doctors were there like, can we watch? And I was like, no, everybody, you know, (laughs) what's happening? No, I'm in labor. Yeah. Um, But the midwives had set everything up so nicely in the room and I walked in and Mahela, she's like this very maternal, loving, you know, figure. And she just, I walked in and she straight away just undressed me and got me all ready. And I was just wearing a bikini top and she was just stroking, like stroking my face and making me feel so welcome and at, and at home. And then um, I hadn't been sure about vaginal examinations, but I Sophie asked me can I give you an exam and I was like yeah I think that's a good idea but I didn't want to know so I said check but don't tell me and that I had written down I had everything written down as well in this case this in this case that and I really believe in doing that because then you don't have to think too hard at the time you know it's just they also I think people who look after you like to have that because you don't have to just have one rigid thing but you can have ABC scenarios and it's just so it, it's really comforting to be that vulnerable and know that you've sort of thought through all these different scenarios Definitely, and so yeah yeah and so she checked me she didn't say anything I got in the pool which was amazing oh my mm. gosh the, water, the relief yeah just carrying me it was just carrying me and it was so it was just so comfortable and I loved it so much and the birth pool in a box is inflated and it's just so everything is just so comfortable and so the labor was progressing. I guess the surges were coming pretty close together. The, the midwives didn't have a waterproof Doppler um, because they don't do water births. Oh. And so I was having to like lift my belly up so they could check the heart rate at certain points. And then yeah. at one point, the Doppler dropped in the water and it started like short circuiting. And so that was a bit hectic, but everyone was laughing. Chris was there. Chris was there the whole time. I was like, you need to get the, when we got there, I was like, where are the fairy lights? And he went back to get the fairy lights. It was pouring with rain. He got lost he back, and then just threw the fairy lights in the corner. So we didn't even, we didn't have time to set anything up yeah. really. It felt like, um, and then, yeah. And then it got to the, the pushing stage and I was still in the water and I really liked to be on my knees and leaning forwards against the side of the pool Um but then a few times the midwives were asking me to go onto my back and even in the water, it was really uncomfortable for me. But they were trying to see if they could see baby's head and then eventually they did. But it was, I guess I was pushing for quite a long time or in, according to the midwives. Right, yeah. Uh, Sometimes, I mean, that's quite usual with first births. Yeah. 
they've got a lot of work to do to make their way out yeah <laughs> and I was speaking out loud you know to I remember that I read something in one of the books that I read that said don't forget your baby is also going through the labor yeah. and that really hit me so hard that yeah I was working hard but also my baby was working so hard yeah. and so I remember I was talking to her and I knew it was a girl and I knew it would be Willow but we hadn't told anyone her name yet so I was Aww. telling her baby like I love you and Aww. I'm here we're gonna do this and saying it out loud really helped me yeah. to stay connected and I felt really calm even though it was so difficult it was so yeah. hard and I was and I was just so loud as well, which I didn't expect. So I That's was just good. That's okay. Yeah. Yeah. It was really good. It was really good. But I was so loud that even outside the hospital on the corner of the street, there's like a motorbike stand. And all the guys at the stand, every time I would have a surge, I'd be so loud. And then all the guys at the stand would be cheering for me. Ah. Come on, Mama, you can do this. You can oh, do so this. Funny. Afterwards, Chris was like, I feel like only in Tanzania that would happen. But <laughs> out on the streets, joining in, giving yeah, me strength. encouraging you. I love that. Yeah. And then um, Sophie, the midwife, said, um, Can you stand up? Because I can't really see what's happening. And I just want to check because she was coming out and in and out and in. And then yeah. she was coming out just till the eyebrows. And so I think Sophie was worried that maybe she was a little bit stuck or something. So she asked, can I stand up? And yeah, she was, her head, I could feel when I reached down, I could feel the top of her head, but she was kind of stuck. And then Sophie said to Mahela, we're going to have to do an episiotomy. Wow. <laughs> and I just remember just being so angry at her. Why would she say that? And she'd been so good. And so quite, you know, I think yeah. really respectful, especially hearing other people's birth stories. Um, and I had felt so respected. And at that point, I was just and I also really felt like I knew Willow was coming the next um, surge. Right. So I didn't, you know, I was just like, I said to her, no, leave me, stay away from me, don't cut me. And I was trying to like escape from them because they were behind me. I couldn't see what they were doing and it was dark <laughs> in the room. And so I was trying to escape. And I guess like the movement of my legs maybe just helped Willow because the right. next he was out, completely out. And I w caught her and I took her straight to my chest. Um, and then they were really worried about me because they had thought I would need an episiotomy. So then they just assumed like worst case scenario, I would have a really bad tear. Yeah. And obviously there's always blood so you can't really see so they turned all the lights on but I was holding willow um they wanted to give me the syntocin they call it here I don't know if it's the same yeah same yeah yeah the injection to deliver the placenta and at that point I was just I just said yes even though in my preferences I'd said yeah. no but I was so happy to hold my baby and they yeah. were so worried and so I just agreed and it really was okay and they and they didn't cut the cord so they weren't like trying to cut the cord or anything no. they they left the cord um, to go white. So that was the most important thing That's to me. Great. At that point. Yeah. And then they said, they said, oh, you just have a small tear. They're trying to decide between first and second degree. They gave me a couple of stitches. Um, I had a couple of stitches in the perineum. Um, but the most painful is actually that I had a small tear by the clitoris. Right. Which I actually didn't know about before, which is no. why. And it I was really painful afterwards. Gosh, yeah. I mean, I don't think it's massively common, but yeah, it, it, it 
can happen obviously things like that like grazes maybe was trying to escape and so this is when the tearing happened I think looking back I wish that I would have been able to maybe stay stay in my space because I really felt confident that she was coming yeah but like Um, you said you moved maybe that kind of slight movement that you made did sort of help change her position a little bit so that she did then come out but amazing that you didn't need that you know and that actually yeah you did tear but it was quite a minor tear Um, which is good very minor and I have to say that I'm glad that I did it that way because I felt very in control and so even recovery afterwards I felt like okay no but this is what I wanted you know I asked not to be cut and they didn't cut me so that was also I don't know somehow I I felt very strong in my decision no but Um, that's a really good point and that's like one of the things that I when I teach people I really try to get across that actually it doesn't necessarily matter kind of what happens as long as you are happy with it. So yeah, like you had a tear and you required stitches, but that was your choice. Like, you know, you knew that happened because you want, you know, you didn't want to have the alternative. So you were, you're fine with it. You were fine with that being what happened because you knew that you could say, no, I don't want to have an episiotomy. So it's, it's yeah. not necessarily kind of what happens. It's how you feel about it, which is the m- most important thing. So that proves that point. That's exactly it. And I felt that, and yeah, so, and I felt happy as well because they hadn't just gone ahead with it. When I said no, they did give me that moment to wait for the next surge. Yeah. So they also were not too overly pushy. Yeah. Um, although I understand, I can't imagine being a midwife. There's so much responsibility. And so I also understand oh. that they're trying to do what's best for everybody. And I really felt that they were doing it in my best interest. I didn't feel intimidated by them or that they were yeah. trying to make any decisions for me. So um, I did trust them. And yeah. I had had such a positive experience throughout my pregnancy because I saw them all along from 12 weeks until they were there for my birth, you know, so I had such a close relationship I felt with them. Um, That's amazing. That is that continuity is really, it was just, I can't even explain just because I didn't get that in my second pregnancy. So I really know how special that was. And yeah, so when Willow came out, they were quite surprised because she was quite big. Well, she was four kilos on the dot. So your second pregnancy Tell us a bit about, because you. I know that you had her in the UK. Yeah. So your experience, you already said already, was slightly different because of the continuity side, which I was going to say we don't often have continuity of care here. Like we, you may be lucky and know the midwife who's on duty or who's, who's on shift when you have your baby, but often that's not the case. So it is a different, slightly different uh, experience. But tell us a little bit about, your pregnancy with her and then I know that she turned didn't she fairly late in your pregnancy to be breach talk talk us through that so the second pregnancy I had planned to have here in Tanzania I'd planned to give birth here again Um, but now we're in the pandemic so things are a little bit different and again just to mention that the medical services are not the same here I I don't know what it was but I just wanted to be in the UK and I don't know because so many people are like you had such a good birth the first time and the second one's going to be a breeze and there's nothing to worry about but I really had in my mind that each pregnancy is so unique and so different and so anything could really happen 
and also the midwives. Mahela was still here, but Sophie had gone back to Australia during the pandemic and she was not around. And I didn't feel comfortable to give birth with just one midwife present. Right. The other thing was that I really wanted a home birth and I couldn't have a home birth here because I just didn't feel safe doing that. Yeah. Although I, I could have if I had the right people supporting me, but I just didn't have access to the right support network. And so I decided to go to the UK. Also then my parents' place in Devon, they said, well, why don't you do a home birth here? So then I was like, okay, well, this is amazing because Willow's never been to England and that's where her grandparents all live. And although Chris and I were both brought up here in Tanzania, our families largely are in the UK still. Um, again back in the UK and so it kind of seemed to make sense that we could go there and see our families Willow could go and see the families and then I could give birth and that we would come back and you know I would have this home birth that I was dreaming of and I don't really think that we will have any more children we always wanted to have two so it was kind of important to me that we I tried to get this home birth where I was just able to be in my element just with whatever I wanted around me and have full control of my space. So yeah, so that was the plan. And obviously being the pandemic, Willow and I were not able to fly directly to the UK from Tanzania. Um, Well, we we could have, but then I would have had to pay to go into that hotel quarantine, Mm. which I really disagreed with. And I even was like, listen, I'm a UK citizen. I have a UK passport and I'm heavily pregnant and I have a toddler. I can't go into hotel quarantine for however many days and I can't afford it it's so expensive yeah that's a side story but (laughs) so we went to Ireland oh right yeah and we isolated in Ireland the two of us for 10 days and then we got on the ferry and we went to the UK and then Chris joined us at a later date after he'd finished working on his trips so we were in England everything was going well I, I got set up with the home birth um, team who are actually in Cornwall because my parents are right on the Devon Cornwall border so okay. they're the um, Chai Colonel midwives they were all so lovely and the midwife that I was assigned to there was a lady called Jessie and she honestly she was just she was really young but she was just so confident in her knowledge and she was so confident in me and she just was I was like yes you know this is going to be the team I get to give birth with at home and they came approved the house everything I was going for my regular checkups because when I first arrived there they were like whoa you're super pregnant and you just arrived and what's going on how many weeks were you um I was 34 weeks oh okay you're right yeah (laughs) yeah so I hadn't been in the system at all. And obviously I had a baby before, but hadn't been yeah. in the system at all. And so in England, they really like if you're in the system. Yeah. They really like it. <laughs> no. <laughs> and also then you come from Africa and then you have all these crazy stories. And like, yeah. So, but that, she was amazing. And if she ever listens to this, I hope she hears that because she was really yeah. incredible. And then she came to do, when you get closer to... Um, birth then you see them more more regularly but I've seen them regularly anyway but oh no so I went with Chris Chris had just arrived and so we went for a checkup so she could also meet Chris and the day before that I had a massage from a pregnancy masseuse specialist who was also amazing and during the massage I had like this jolt through my body I can't explain it in any other way it was just like it wasn't didn't feel specific to my belly but it was like this big jolt 
and my mind was like she's turned but then I was like no how would I it was just a jolt maybe it was just a you know shock or something and yeah at this point now I'm 37 weeks right um and five days or something and so I go into the (laughs) for the checkup and I'm like holding my breath while she's doing the palpation and she says I don't that doesn't feel like the bum anymore (laughs) oh my goodness she said I'm gonna just call one of the other midwives to come in and double check and another midwife came and she's like yeah it doesn't feel like the doesn't feel like the bum let's just call so they got the the third midwife because I guess telling (laughs) someone at this point like your baby's turned they want to make sure that yeah of course so then the third midwife midwife comes in and she's like yep that's definitely the head right up in the rib cage oh my goodness and then straight away they were like right you know you're almost 38 weeks and this is your second baby and now your baby's upside down so they were a little bit worried and obviously I'd come all this way to have the home birth and they were so there for me and then they were like delivering this news and I was crying upset because I was scared and I didn't really understand and I hadn't had a breach the first time so I didn't really look into it too much and so I was a bit overwhelmed and then so she said no we're gonna have to send you to hospital I was like what right now and she said yeah now so they can do a scan to confirm now the hospital is over an hour away to go again so now we have to go to the hospital and get the scan to confirm and she says okay and then they can offer they're going to offer you because you're almost 38 weeks anyway they're going to offer you an ECV Mm -hmm. and I'm like okay well what's that oh that's when they manually try and turn the baby it stands for external cephalic version that's what it stands for and yeah it's when they try and yeah manually spin the baby basically yeah so they manipulate your belly with their hands and you know I really wanted to prepare for this because now I'm using all my hypnobirthing to just yeah it's very been sprung on you hasn't it so yeah and again I'm just doing hypnobirthing myself um yeah so because it did really serve me in my first labor and pregnancy so then I go home and I'm really upset now I'm angry I'm like, I go home and I say to my dad and to Chris and my stepmom, Joe, and I'm like, you know, we've come all this way to have a home birth. And now the home birth midwives don't want to come and support me. So I'm just going to do it on my own. <laughs> and my dad's like panicking, but trying not to panic. And because I was just like, you know, why can't you support me? I still want yeah. to have a home birth. They were like, but you were presenting breach. And, and then right up until the last moment is when I found out that none of the midwives on the home birth team had supported a breach delivery that's the issue that's the issue it's not so much that it's dangerous it's that most of the midwives or many of the midwives just don't have experience of it so therefore they don't feel comfortable supporting it that's that's the main issue that we have it's it's not so much that it's this hugely dangerous thing that I think a lot of people think it is it's just that the experience isn't there anymore because yeah. for so many years a breech baby has meant a cesarean basically so the yeah. experience isn't there the midwives don't have the experience so yeah but did you so as soon so you still were very sure that you wanted to give birth vaginally so once even though you'd heard that news about the fact that she was breech you still in your own mind wanted yeah. a vaginal birth yeah I was because I was like okay she's she's upside down yeah. but what else 
what else is indicating that I'm high risk? Nothing. Yeah. I'm really, you know, fortunate that I don't have any indicator. Nothing, nothing is, is dangerous. No. Okay. So why all of a sudden do I have to go into an elective surgery? Yeah, it's a good point. And it's surgery. It's not, it's not a joke to, you know, C-section is so important and so valid and it has its place. And I absolutely would have had a C-section if I needed to. I am not against having a C-section. I am against being forced into having a C-section because of the fear of the people who are supporting me, not because of, and and not taking into account my own wishes and my own feeling and intuition. Yeah, you trusted your gut and you felt even straight away completely comfortable and that's how, that's how you knew you were going to give birth vaginally and that's really important and that's right. It's quite often about the fear of the people that are around us and not so much about yeah. you um, and it's more the kind of fear that they don't have that experience to support it Yeah, rather than you. You felt fine. But yeah, yeah, I really felt confident. And as we drove away from that appointment where they had confirmed the um, that the baby was breached and that we were going to the hospital for the scan. So we hadn't had the scan yet. And, you know, I was saying to Chris, I can do it. And Chris was like, if anyone can do it, you can do it. Oh, (laughs) bless him. Yeah, Yeah, that's right. I I love that. I'm like in tears, so pregnant. So, you know, it's just like a uh, what I was really scared of in England is all these stories about once you're in the system, you get swept mm. up by the system and it's liability and the hospital is, you know, tra- scared of their track record. And then you just get swept into it and, and you just are sort of trying so hard to fight your corner. And yes. it's so exhausting and you eventually just have to give in because you don't have any energy left to fight everybody all the time. And I mm. and I totally get that now because this is what I experienced from right. you know all of a sudden going to this oh home birth you're the perfect candidate you you know you're low risk in all the categories you do yoga you know this 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 you had a great first birth experience you know you're just well done you you're in the ticking all the right boxes yeah and all of a sudden, baby's breach no you have to go to surgery yeah and it's so- like the, a complete opposite extreme isn't it it's just yeah. the complete other end yeah and I really didn't agree that I had to yeah so then Again, I spoke to Caroline and she she said vaginal breech births can be really beautiful. And and she was like, you know, your baby's chosen this for you. And that really like hit me really hard, you know, because straight away it's it's scary. And then all of a sudden it's like, okay, no, you know, maybe this is meant to be. But because I had this home birth dream and I don't want to have any more children, it was like, okay, well, the ECV will, if it's someone who has a good experience and I have good energy with that person, that doctor, whoever that doctor may be, I might consider it, but otherwise I'm not going to do it. And I didn't really want to do it. The only thing that made me kind of lean into it was the possibility of her being turned or baby being turned and then me having home birth. So we went into hospital to have the scan. So then we get like the most grumpy I don't want to say horrible but just not very nice person doing and she's talking to us like we're idiots 
And she's like, yeah, baby's breached. So just uh, let me know what dates you prefer for the cesarean. Oh my um, goodness, it's so annoying. <laughs> yeah, and I was like, excuse me. Um, first of all, <laughs> speak to whoever is the consultant, the OB here. Oh, the consultant can't see you right now. They're very busy. Okay, oh, you want to try the ECV? Or you want to hear, I said, oh, we want to hear about the ECV. So they said, okay, this is the ECV. This is what it means. There's a little booklet. They give you this little booklet. They're like, read this booklet and then decide. Um, we'll book you in anyway on Monday for the ECV. And if it doesn't work, you can go into the cesarean. <laughs> like, so um, just not asking yeah. any questions, not yeah. like, who am I as a person? It's not personal. It's not personal. It's just a kind of one size fits all type approach. Like, oh, baby's breach. Of course, you're going to want a cesarean. Like, let me know what day. Goodbye. Yeah. <laughs> oh, do you want to wait for 40 weeks or should we just do it now? Like, what? <laughs> Hang on. And then so frustrating. The, yeah. And then the consultant was busy in surgery. And so they sent a trainee doctor now. Oh my goodness. For a good hospital that has really good resources. This was the last person they should have ever sent me. Not a because trainee. she was me. Chris and I had a list of 12 questions because we we're very prepared and we were like, okay, if we decide to go ahead, we need to ask the hospital these 12 questions. So then we get sent this trainee. We're like, okay, no problem. Not an issue having a trainee doctor. We start asking questions and then it comes, then it finally comes out that she's never even been to the delivery suite. Oh my she doesn't goodness. know like what's in the rooms. She doesn't know if the rooms have bathrooms. She doesn't know if they're shared. She doesn't know anything. How can you send me someone who has never yeah. even been to the delivery suite to oh, answer yeah. questions about the birth of my baby, which is one of the most important things in my life? Right, exactly, exactly. Luckily for the hospital, they had also sent a midwife with us. Oh, good, us. good. It was like this older midwife and like a little bit crazy, but in the best way. Just yeah. He's like, your baby's breached. That's not a problem. Look at you. You'll be fine. Stay oh. upright. She, got, she like got on the floor and was like doing all these positions, this position, that position. And then the doctor came in and I was like, this doctor's a nightmare. And then I said to the midwife quietly, how, you know, can the midwives deliver the baby? And she said, no, the, the consultant has to deliver the baby, especially if it's breached and you attempt a vaginal delivery. Attempt, attempt. <laughs> And really like this. And she's like, oh, but, the, you know, the theater's just around the corner. It's really lovely. And you can take your own music. I'm like, okay, great. So anyway, we went back to have the ECV. Sorry, this is quite a long story. But I really no, wanted... interesting. It's really important to me because I feel very passionately that it was hard to stay in my corner, to fight my corner. I also think that for any birth partners out there... Chris didn't, you know, in the first birth, he didn't really have to advocate for me because everything w was so textbook. And even when they said episiotomy, he didn't even have time to do anything because Willow was born so quickly after that. And so I said to him, you know, when we went for the scan to the hospital, I said, this is when your role is so important. And he was Absolutely. like, okay, okay, yeah, I can do this. And so when the doctor that said she she hadn't even been to the delivery suite. She also, these were her exact words. She said to me, yeah, you can attempt the vaginal breach delivery, but when it doesn't work, we will cut you open to get the baby out. And she oh actually my goodness. Open. And I was just, I mean, I just couldn't even believe that someone was using, talking about my body in yeah. that way. And I also could, she said, and when it doesn't work. Yeah. 
Oh no, they never thought it was going to work. They never thought that, well, these two first people that I spoke to, the, the scan woman and then the doctor woman, and then I, I don't remember their names, but even if I did, I probably wouldn't say. But anyway, so we came back for the ECV and oh yeah, the midwife, the one that I said that was a little bit crazy. She was like, oh, let me just introduce you really quickly. Dr. Sophie is the ECV doctor. And so just meet her really quickly. And as we were leaving, she introduced us to Sophie and she was just like the loveliest doctor. And oh, good. so, so just, I just met her for a second, but I was like, okay. So then on Monday, I agreed to go back in to meet with Dr. Sophie to decide about the ECV. And Dr. Sophie is really a woman's doctor. Right. Some women are doctors, but they're not. Women, yeah. they're not there for the women and yeah. that's really shocking but Dr. Sophie is really a woman's Amazing. doctor she didn't talk at me she sat down on the bed and she was we were talking eye to eye she didn't look down over me when I was waiting for her on the bed she asked me about my first birth she asked me about how I was feeling anyway not just about the ECV she talked a little bit about her experience with the ECV and then for me a really big thing was that she'd spent time in the Gambia in West Africa oh wow um, yeah, and so she understood a little bit, even though the Gambia and Tanzania are so different, she had experience of working in the developing nation that was applicable to my experience. And so she was able to really connect with me. Yeah. And so I said to Chris, I'm comfortable with her trying. Yeah. But I said, you know, I, I'm not sure about it, but I'll try because I feel comfortable with you. And so I said to her, and she said to me, Hannah, anytime you just look at me and I'll know and I'll stop. Right. And so she said, do you want to have gas and air? And I said, no, um, because it was really important for me. I never had gas and air as an option um, in my first labor. Right. And there was no gas and air here. So I think I forgot to mention that. So there was no, there's no pain relief. Well, you can have, what's it called? Pitocin? Uh, Pethidine. Yeah, pethidine. pethidine. Yeah, you can yeah. have that one, but yeah. I didn't want that because it can go to the baby, and yeah. I didn't think I didn't want anything that was gonna disrupt the connection between me and the baby. Yeah. And I felt like if either of us were drowsy, then we were not listening to each other. Then yeah. things were gonna go wrong. Yeah. And so when she said for the ECV, sometimes people like to have gas and air because it can be uncomfortable. And I said no because. I don't, I want my baby to know that my baby's okay and that yeah. I am making this decision for us, but I need to be able to feel if the baby's okay. So she said, all right. So then we, I did my hypnobirthing. So I had headphones. I put headphones on with my music again and I had my kanga, which I explain I always carry with me. Yeah. And again, I put it over my head, even though she had dimmed the lights, which also was so nice. She came into the room straight away. The doctor dimmed the lights mm-hmm. and, like, oh, you know, don't be afraid. And I'm here for you and whatever. And I closed my eyes and I was laying on the bed and she began to try to perform the ECV. And I had these noise cancelling headphones, so I couldn't hear her. But Chris says she was speaking to me the whole time, telling me um, the position of the baby. And what would happen is that she would get the baby to a certain point and then it would like spring back into the breech position right I see and so now this is I couldn't open my eyes because I opened one eye a tiny bit and I saw her and Dr Sophie's a petite woman and she's like on the bed on top of me using her body weight as well as her strength to try and turn this baby in for anyone who's been pregnant you know that you're so protective of your bump and so now to have someone like 
on top of you putting that much force it's just it it it's really hard not to just take them out like not to just smack them in the face (laughs) yeah (laughs) I can imagine and I had agreed to the muscle relaxant injection to help relax the uterus because I was like I'm only going to try this once and if it doesn't work like you know I'm not going to do it again and it that makes you feel or it made me feel very fluttery and not good so I kind of wish I hadn't done that but anyway I had read that ECV maybe works 50% of the time it is yeah it's around 50% Dr Sophie said that her rate of success is around 70% right because I know every doctor can have their own rates as well it varies depending yeah yeah she said she's she was performing about five ECVs a week wow and that yeah a lot in that I don't know why and then um her rate was about 70 percent, and she was like you're such a good candidate because of your um your health and you have nothing else at high risk and they checked on the scan no cord around baby's neck whatever babies still have space oh yeah because in the scan before with the horrible woman she had said oh your baby is tiny and she's only on 11th percentile. And if she was under 10, I would have to put her down as like a growth, growth oh abnormality God. or something. And so she was like, yeah, then, you know, then we definitely have to have a C-section to get baby out because, you know, baby's so tiny. And so when Dr. Sophie checked, she said, yeah, she's not huge, the baby, but she's not tiny. So there's space it, for her to. Stand. It's almost like comical. It's almost comical. That woman, this, this horrible scan woman, like it's, it shouldn't be but it's just awful it's so bad and she was going you see this around the baby that's water and I was like why is she speaking to me like this you know this is and she anyway it was just everything she did was so offensive yeah so the ECV didn't work and Dr Sophie she was almost more upset than me she just was like I can't believe it didn't work everything seemed like it would and she said you you were so relaxed your hypnobirthing is working so well. She was all on board with the hypnobirthing as well. So she was like, your hypnobirthing, I could see you were just so relaxed and were you uncomfortable? And I said, yeah, it really hurt. Yeah. <laughs> but she said, you know, you'd, it, it, everything was right, but it just didn't work. And, and she said, we can try again. And I said, no, because I had always said I would only try. And if it didn't work, then I would not go back to it because I believe then that the baby has chosen that position. Yeah. And that's it I'm it's a not good sign isn't it yeah so then now I'm just gonna have a breech baby and that's it and you know they were like oh we can check you up until the last minute we can um baby can turn so when you come into the hospital for labor um we can check and if baby's turned um because at the at the hospital I was going to um, they have a delivery suite and then they have a birth center. Mm-hmm. And in the birth center, you can have a birthing pool and, you know, it's much more low key. And delivery suite is like hospital room, breach, vaginal breach delivery. They don't allow water. Right. Um, water had been such a big part of my first birth. So this was really a big deal to me. But anyway, and they said, well, we'll do a scan when you come in to check. But in my mind, I just kind of knew mm not going to turn like if she didn't turn with Dr Sophie on top of me doing those things she's not going to turn now yeah people are like oh look at spinning babies yeah okay but I do all of those things in my daily yoga practice so nothing on spinning yeah. babies was helpful to me to be honest and there's got to come a point where you can try all of these things but 
if the baby's not moving, you know, baby does know best and they might be in that position because that's where they need to be. And we need to almost, you know, you can try, but there needs to also be a part of you that comes to just accept and respect the fact that they're where they need to be. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know why, because I don't know why she turned, but I I want to just say that the after effect of the ECV was really hard for me emotionally because she didn't turn and I felt bad that I had stressed her and the baby and I felt um because I had bruising on my belly and it was really hard for me to see the bruises and to accept that I had made the choice to take that chance and that it was not I felt like it was not the right decision I shouldn't have done it in my gut I felt like I shouldn't have done it and I still did it and that was the only thing I had done in either of my pregnancies that I wasn't fully on board with yeah so but you know I had to just I was really upset but Chris kept reminding me you know it could have worked and if it had worked we would have been able to proceed with the home birth and so I really had to just let go of that yeah so then I moved on and I was like right here we go I'm gonna have a vaginal breech birth and then I started to realize how uncommon it still it actually is Mm. and you know Dr. Sophie had been like do you know about the term breech trial which is a a big um, study that took place and I think it was in 2000 Mm -hmm. where the conclusion was c-section is the best delivery for breech babies and it has since come out that there was uh, a lot of discrepancies in the trial and that actually that conclusion wasn't accurate Um, and so it's been the study's been challenged a lot since then and the amazing thing about the internet and podcasts like this one is that you get to hear firsthand from people who yeah. are challenging it and they are doing their own studies. And do you know the name, Claire, of that doctor in America who specializes in home breach? Yes, I do, but I can't think of it off the top of my head. Yeah, he does podcasts sometimes. He, is it, doc, he, is it yeah. Dr. Stew or something? Yeah, um, I, don't, I don't remember. I didn't write it down in, on this paper. But I can I'm sure. I f- I'll look it up. Him. I'll look it up. Doctor was- Stuart James Fitchbin. Fitchbin. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's him. Yeah. So I listened to a couple of podcasts where he was talking, and I just loved his. You know, now everything I'm uh, exposing myself to is breach is a variation of normal. Exactly. So I joined- yeah. I joined the Facebook group Breach Birth um, UK or something. I think it's called Breach Birth UK. Yeah. Uh, which is amazing. Oh my gosh. All the women on there are just so helpful and supportive. And so I much wrote, support. There's so much support around. Yeah. It's amazing. And they were just, I, and I've been on it a lot since then, trying to also share my story and be there for other people just as right. they were there for me. All these women that I've never met were just so helpful and informative. And um I couldn't give birth at home because I couldn't find anyone to support me independent midwives as you know in the UK are not practicing at the moment or the mm-hmm. majority of them are not practicing because of insurance issues yeah they were so- yeah during COVID yeah and yeah so this was back in October 2021 mm-hmm. when it was also the Delta variant time so it was a lot of strict COVID protocol and then I had already been following Kemi Birth Joy Johnson on yeah. Instagram and I thought, let me just write to her because I see she like responds to people quite a lot. And so 
um I wrote to her and she didn't reply <laughs> and I was like 38 weeks oh, no. and she didn't reply at first and someone said oh try again so then I tried again and she she sent me a voice note and was like Hannah I meant to reply I thought I replied and I hadn't replied and oh bless so her then, yeah she was amazing she's um, great and she just was so so her son and her grandson live here in Tanzania so she and I yes that's right yeah so she and I just had this um connection anyway because of that and she was so supportive to me and I want to really say that I did a lot of work to prepare for both of my births and I think it was the naked doula who said recently that everyone wants a positive birth but not everyone wants to do the work for a positive birth experience and right I really believe that because I studied like it was the biggest exam of my life. Like I read everything. I listened to everything. I found what I what my options could be. And I told my partner, Chris, and I also had a doula for my second birth. Amazing. And so she, yeah. And she was so involved. And so I really believe in just having using all the resources you can to prepare yourself and just take in your mind as much as you can and all the positive energy um and Kemi was such a big support to me and then I was like do you know I'm actually making you know a good decision because it's hard when everybody is pushing you to have a c-section for the safety yeah. of your baby and making you feel bad that you're yeah. making this decision and it's selfish it's selfish of you to want a vaginal delivery for your baby when it's so dangerous and then you start realizing that all the facts they present to you are out of context and actually yes. you have to put breech birth vaginal breech birch facts next to a uh, head down birth facts like you have to put them next to each other otherwise they don't mean anything all birth facts are scary yeah and there's risk in every single every single type of birth every everything ever that we do there's always a risk and I, I think it is Kemi that says it as well that there's always there's always going to be a risk in everything like in every single birth so you know we just have to understand what they are and realize how they are applicable to us and decide what we're happy accepting because of course there would have been risks associated with you having a c-section as well yeah. but they don't often get they probably weren't being presented to you the risks no. of having a c-section um but the risks of having a breach vaginal birth were so you know you have to just weigh it all up and of course there's going to be risks with everything and you picked what you were happy accepting and that was the right choice yeah. for you yeah and I again I wanted to feel confident in the decision that I had made and it be decisions that I could stand by no matter what happens you yeah. know and I really felt strongly like I could birth my baby I really yeah. felt like I can do this. And I remember I said to Chris a few times, he said, he would ask me, how am I feeling? And I would say, I, I'm really nervous to be in the system. But the thing I'm most scared of is being in the system. Not, I know I can do it, but I'm scared that they're not going to let me. Yeah. And that was my biggest fear. And yeah. I was like, I wish I was just in Tanzania with Mahela because she'd be like, oh, yeah, you know, just have yeah. a baby no problem yeah. <laughs> um, so what how was the birth well, talk us through the birth okay so once I had accepted that I was having the breach delivery and then they you know I'd done all this research and then I had asked the midwives okay so can I just 
because before they were like oh no just don't do anything because you don't want to go into labor while it's breach and da da da, da. and now yeah. i was like okay well i'm gonna have my breach birth so can i just go back to my practice as normal and you know whatever so i had also asked caroline if i could start to smell some clary sage um not strongly but i was now 38 weeks and five yeah. and actually i was further along than that because i knew my conception date but right. they had just given me a new due date when they did a, a, a scan at some point i get got given this new due right. date of so actually the the due date i have it had in my from my calculation was 24th of october and the due date that the midwives assigned me was the 2nd of november so Wow. But I didn't want to tell them because I knew in the UK that there's a lot of pressure if you get yeah. to your due date. And so I also didn't want to tell them that I had my own calculation. Yeah. So according to my calculation, I was 39 weeks and six. And according to their calculation, I was 38 and five. <laughs> so Caroline was like, yeah, it's, it's OK for you to smell clary sage now. And, you know, I like clary sage anyway. I'd really yeah. missed it in my pregnancy yeah. I use it a lot in my essential oils in my yoga and, and everything um so that evening I put some on my diffuser and as I was going to bed and Chris came in and he was like what's that Hannah <laughs> what smell is that and I said okay no that's the clary sage and anyway that night at 1 30 a.m I rolled over in bed and my water popped pop wow like, yeah it was very different it wasn't a gush it was like pop wow and so I got up and I ran to the bathroom to check I didn't wake Chris first of all I just ran to the to check if it was my water or I don't know you know and I stood in the bathtub and the waters were coming like gushing but the waters were really red and not pink but red right like, yeah so then I said to I woke Chris up and I said Chris go and go and get the phone because the mobile phones don't work at my parents' house. So he went to get the landline. So he's like running around trying to find the landline. And he comes back with it. And I said, okay, we need to call the midwives. And then just give me the, the phone and I'll speak to them. So he called the triage line. And I got put through to the midwife, like the switchboard, I yeah. guess, first. And then I said, okay, my name's Hannah. I'm this place. Um, my water's just broken. I need to speak to the midwives at the hospital in Cornwall and so they said sour so they put me through and I spoke to the midwives and said okay my water's broken and I'm my baby's presenting breach and she said okay no problem so you just come in straight away get in the car now and we'll prepare the theater and I said no I'm having um I'm preparing for a vaginal delivery and she said you're having a vaginal breach delivery. Oh my gosh, this is so exciting. Okay, oh. you come in. Yeah, she was like, you come in. I'm going to get the room ready for you. I'll be here for you. As soon as you come in, I'll come and meet you. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. So she was so positive with wow. me, on the phone, which was, yeah, it was just such a relief. Um, and I also want to mention that I had contacted the head of midwifery in Cornwall and I had asked permission to have a doula as well as Chris present yeah. um, because of COVID restrictions blah 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 and I had explained that I was not in my home home place and that I really wanted the extra support and also my baby was presenting breach and I needed to have extra support in the bathroom and I'd been granted this and she had then contacted the head of the maternity services in that hospital and so I had already 
organize that which Brilliant. I really recommend if I don't know if it's still protocol in places but I really recommend if you're not sure ask because I asked and I got permission and it was such a weight off my chest I wasn't yeah. gambling that my doula would be able to get in yeah. I knew and I had the email printed in my medical file that said my right. Hannah you're granted two birth partners in your room or whatever Brilliant. so I got to the hospital and the doula was on the way, Joe, the doula was on the way. Um, but Chris and I got there, my dad took us. And in the car this time, the surges, they came, but they were very sporadic and I was bleeding a lot. And I didn't know, I was trying to stay calm and use my hypnobirthing because it's always scary in pregnancy to see blood. Yeah, and I didn't want to be, I didn't want panic because I had gotten so far and every time I sort of went in myself, within myself, I felt good. There yeah. was nothing that felt off and I felt that baby felt good. And so when I got there, they said, okay, can you sit on this pad? The midwives were so excited and they said, we're actually being retrained in breech deliveries because... Amazing. Um, in in Cornwall, you know, they do a lot of um, home births actually because people can't get to hospital. It's harder to get around. It's 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 yeah. such a cool county. Yeah. Um, and she said, "We're just so excited that you're here, and we're here for you. But you are bleeding, so I have to call the consultant who's on duty um, because that's protocol." And I said, "Okay." And by this time, it was like 3 a.m. or something. And so they called the doctor in and the doctor was a woman and she was really lovely. And she was a trainee, but very well spoken to me, very respectful. And she asked me if she could do an examination, which I had written on my preference. She said, we've got your preferences here printed out. And I, and I, I know that it says no examinations, but since you're losing quite a lot of blood and there were clots in the blood, right. she said, where it's coming from and it would really help if I could do an examination and she really explained it to me so nicely and so yeah. I, said, I said you know that makes sense like I'm not stubborn yeah. sticking to one thing so I'm happy and she was also that. asking you for permission like so often it yeah. someone might have worded it like well we need to do this because you yeah. know because of this whereas she was asking you and explaining why it yeah. would be a benefit which is respectful and nice yeah yeah and I was bleeding yeah. And I didn't know where the blood was coming from. And so she did the examination and I had said in my preferences that I, again, I don't want to know how dilated I am, but I think she forgot because she said, oh, you're three centimeters. Right. I was a bit annoyed about because I don't really want to know. But at the same time, she said, I can't tell where the blood is coming from. It could be that the placenta is um, pulling away from the, the womb yeah. lining. Um, or it could be that just because the cervix is softening and opening that there's blood loss. Right. Um, and she said, okay, we, you know, we're going to need to talk about the C-section. And I, and she said, I can see here you've written your emergency C-section plan. And I said, yes. And she said, okay, so, you know, the theater is available now. And I said, okay, but how long are you comfortable with me saying I want to stay in the room and see what happens like what is the time that you can give me to let my body progress in the labor and she said 15 minutes so I said okay so well, it's not long away. is it so she went away and in that time my doula had arrived and my doula was like on it she had 
all the oils ready mixed and she was there and she hugged me and she just supported me through my surges and Chris was amazing again like he's such a rock and such a protector but it was something different the doula brought me some more yeah. security yeah and um, again that continuity of care and the sort of maternal touch yeah. I want to yeah. say um, and I lost my mother when I was really little so I really respond uh, yeah that maternal energy it just yeah. makes me feel so safe and that's what my doula joe really brought to the table oh, no. um and so i said they're coming back in 15 minutes and i have to stay on this pad so that they can monitor the blood loss and so the, she said okay so they came back after 15 minutes i was still bleeding and so then we agreed again to another 15 minutes they in the meantime they said okay we're gonna put the cannula in your your hand because we need to be ready to go like we need to be ready to go and it, there's not going to be a lot of time so now it's becoming more urgent to them right. you know? but I, I've got I've agreed to the monitoring which is something else that I didn't want to do but I was trying to appease enough so that I could keep my space and not be taken to theater so I agreed to the monitoring as long as as it was wireless so I could move and baby was stable there was no indication of Amazing. baby in birth. and it's really intense if you've had been monitored in birth which I didn't have the first time it's really intense because there's a big screen like with your baby's heart rate on it and it's just it's just really and all the beeping the noises like you can't yeah. escape it yeah so this one we managed to figure out how to turn the noise off that's good that's actually that's something that I always say to people like you can yeah. mute them which is always a good idea yeah so we muted it and then the other thing was again I had my kanga so I put the kanga over the monitor so I oh my goodness that thing's amazing I know <laughs> seriously <laughs> it's everything um and so and I and then this time because we had the doula she also was able to set up the room and so she put my birth affirmations up and the fairy lights up and Aww. the oils were there and um it was just everything was just so perfect my music was on same playlist that I gave birth to Willow was playing and so it just took me back there and then after about an hour of them checking me every 15 minutes they the bleeding stopped and now the water was coming clear so then I said to them, okay, now the water is coming clear. I'm not bleeding anymore and baby is stable and I am, my surges are coming. You know, can I just go back to my VBB and stop talking about theater every time you come in? So then they agreed. So then they agreed. Right. And I had said that I don't want any students or um, trainee doctors apart from this one, obviously, who was on duty. Um, but I didn't want people coming in the room unless they had to. And so they really left me alone. And then, you know, my labor was progressing so nicely and Chris and Joe were there and they were supporting me and we were just had our own little bubble there. Things were going so well. And then the night shift turned to the day shift, which is also something I didn't experience last time because I was with my midwives and also mm. I gave birth at night. So I didn't go into the next shift. So now it's like, I think it's 7 a.m. that they change and you get the night shift to all these like quiet soft-spoken people and then the day shift comes in they've just had their coffee and they're like we're here to you know we're here hi and it's so intense and yeah. even though you know they come with the best intention it's so yeah. much I mean, yeah. and so I got this new midwife and she was called cares and she came in and she was like 
okay, this room setup is all wrong. We need to move things around. And she was very like a little bit, I want to say not older. She wasn't old, but she was older than me. Right. And so she's quite authoritative. And she said, my doula, what oils are these? They're not strong enough. You need to be putting, she needs way more oils. And she was very, you know, what has she eaten? Has she had anything to drink? You know, she, oh. and then she went out and I was like, like a whirlwind what? basically. Yeah. And then um, she came back and she made all these changes and actually every change that she made was amazing. Oh, good. Well, that's <laughs> yeah, good. So in a way we needed her right. to be like that because we just were like, okay. And then she did it and it was just, she just made everything better. Amazing. So, I loved it because then I realized that she was on my team. When I realized that everything she did made, th- made everything better, I realized that she was on my team. Yeah, yeah. So then that she said, okay, the doctors have to come. They do morning calls at, around everybody. And I was like, that's weird, but okay. And she said, they have to come in. Right. And at this point, I'm halfway through a surge. So I'm like, whatever, you know. And so these two male doctors walk in, like a little one and a big one. And they just stand there and I'm like kneeling on the ground because I've read all this about upright, being upright for your breach is really important because you need gravity to help you because especially if you're presenting frank breach, um, there's not a lot, the bum is so soft so it maybe doesn't put pressure on the cervix to open and you really need the pressure on the cervix to dilate so that you can deliver your baby. Were you you frank breach? Yeah, so sorry. So she said that I was um, Frank Breach, but right. I actually, at the end, I was not. Oh, I was okay. incomplete breach. One foot up, one down. Right, yeah. I think that's incomplete. But at this time, we yeah. thought Frank Breach. Right. Um, so anyway, so then I'm on the ground, and then these two men come in, and they stand over me, and they start to, like, list off all these in all these ways that my labor is just not good enough. And... <gasps> It was so, it was like heartbreaking because they were like, your labor is not established. Your waters broke, you know, a while ago. They broke before established labor. So that means that if nothing happens, that you're going to have to go to your C-section. I can read here that you don't want us to talk about C-section, but we have to. (laughs) And um, aside from all this, you're going to need a lot more monitoring than has been happening so far. And I just literally didn't say anything. And... Uh, because I'm breathing and I'm going through my surges at this point are coming again regularly every seven minutes and they left and oh yeah Chris he's so good so they came you know standing over me and then Chris came stood up he was sat in the chair next to me and he stood up and he stood over me like protecting me yeah and he's a big guy like he's yeah. six foot five so right just didn't seem so big anymore you know and yeah again if you're a birth partner he just protected me so I was having a surge while I'm being spoken to like this but I then have my protector of my space the keeper of my space and then the doctors don't seem so intimidating that is really bad that's really bad yeah so bad and it was only the little one who was talking the big one didn't say anything (laughs) and I was I was trying to read what his label said to figure out who even is he who are you are you qualified I couldn't read his label because I was in labor and he's telling me I'm not in labor it's also something like just that's so frustrating that it's like two men come in the room and you've been perfectly like fine this whole time you know managing it yourself like completely fine and it's two men who 
cannot even understand a tiny bit about what you're doing reeling off why you're doing it wrong or why it's wrong it's just so frustrating yeah and the thing was by this point my my waters when he was so concerned about my waters they had broken six hours ago and the hospital protocol is 24 hours anyway which is long for you know some are only 12 hours their protocol but and 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 so even even so it was redundant everything he was saying was redundant and he didn't ask me how am I doing or how do I feel or nothing he didn't address me as a person and then I was just they left the room (sighs) and I said I I started crying and my doula said what's wrong and she's and I said to her I'm really sorry for swearing in advance but I said to her do not fucking let them in my room again and I wasn't crying because I was like scared or sad I was crying because I was so angry at them I I said to Chris go out there and you tell them they don't come back in here do not come back into my room and I at this point I'm really far along my labor and so yeah I was just over it and so Chris and Joe went out and they spoke to the midwife the midwife came back in and she said I understand you don't want the doctors to come in again and I said that's right and she and I said will you help me and she said well normally you know we're told that the consultants have to deliver the babies and I said I don't want them to come in the room I want you to help me please will you help me and she said okay we'll do this let's do this amazing and then she was just so there for it and I think that she heard me and she listened and she said to me I will tell them that if I need them I'll press the button um but I have to tell them something because you know there's rules or whatever so I said so she so she went out and she didn't come and she said I'm not going to come back in unless you need me and so she left me and I was just so frustrated at this time because I was I looked at the clock and that was the other thing there was a big clock on the wall and in Willow's labor, I was so lost in myself and it was so empowering and amazing. And then, you know, here I am being interrupted by these people who I don't need. And then I see that time has passed and yeah, I'm scared now because I will go more towards the danger zone for waters or whatever. Mm -hmm. And so um, I'm worried about getting forced into a section and I'm thinking in my head and I remember that I read on that (laughs) The naked doula um, Instagram. Yes, who is yeah. I love following her. Yeah, she's um, great. And I remember that she said that if you have an orgasm, then you it delivers like ten times the oxytocin of any yeah. of the synthetic drips or whatever. Yeah. And you know, because my doula's like, "What about nipple stimulation?" And I'm like, "No, I don't. I don't no. like that. I don't like it anyway. So it's not going to no. work." Either. And so she's like, okay, just try and, you know, because I'm upset, I'm mad, I'm angry at these doctors. Yeah. I need to try and let it go now so that I can give birth because they stopped my birth. Yeah, they interrupted your labor. Yeah, completely. I was seven minutes between surges and I went to 40 minutes between surges. Wow, exactly. Look at that. Yeah. And yeah, the power the that someone can have. Life, that's so, that's such a dramatic back step. Mm. and you know they're like we would induce you they said to me as well we would induce you but we're not allowed to induce breech babies <laughs> don't need inducing <laughs> you, don't, you literally weren't doing it you don't need inducing 
it was just so frustrating oh, dear. I had a bathroom me I had my own room but me and the room next door we share a bathroom and you just have to like lock both the doors when you go in and so I didn't say anything to Chris or Joe but I went into the bathroom and then so I was like okay I'm gonna give this a go yeah and literally I had my orgasm and I'm not even joking the orgasm went straight into the surge and from that moment, wow. the surges were just one after the other, after the other, after the other. I, I walked out of the bath because I stayed for one surge in the bathroom and I walked out. I could I was again like I couldn't walk without support now. And <laughs> then wow. Joe looked at me and she was like, wow, think, something's changed. Things have changed. <laughs> so then the midwife obviously can see from the monitor, I guess, that. Yeah coming more frequently so she comes in and she knows that I don't want to be examined so she says to me can I put my hands on your belly for the next surge so I can feel what your belly feels like during the surge the intensity and I love that because I was like yeah this is a great idea yeah and and she said okay things have definitely ramped up and this is this is you know within an hour and a half or whatever doctors coming in so it's it's changed so quickly and she's like okay so she goes out the room and she comes back in and she said listen I I'm just gonna ask you and you you can say no but please can I examine you because I would just feel so much more comfortable I haven't given you an exam I've been told that you were examined one time um please can I examine you uh, you know for me (laughs) and um I was like yeah you know she's saying that she would be more comfortable and if she's more comfortable that makes me more yeah so I said yeah and I also really liked her and and so I said yeah we got onto the bed she examined me I said to her don't tell me though and she said even if you're really far along and I said especially if I'm really far along don't tell me anything and so she checked and she didn't tell me but straight away she she went and got like that little cloth out that they put around the baby and the baby hat (laughs) I guess the baby must be coming soon he subtly told you (laughs) Yeah, she was so funny. And then she did ask me, she said, in this hospital during labor, we have to ask every woman permission to put this. And I can't remember, you probably know what it's called, when they put that screw in to monitor. Oh, yeah. yeah, I, I don't, don't know, know the name of it. Yeah, it's a yeah, little, like a little monitors them, yeah. And she said, normally it screws into the skull. It's awful, yeah. But in this case, it'll screw into the bum. And I was like no <laughs> what why is that what they do I don't understand she said, and, and, and even in the in the room that it was on the wall actually and I had taken it down because it's on the wall and it says your baby needs to be protected it needs to be monitored and we put this screw in the scalp and it's just a tiny screw It'll, you'll barely be able to see it I mean oh my goodness I've never um, heard of it being like policy before yeah so they that. had it even a like a leaflet about it in the room Wow. And I said, no. And I said, do you need to? I was really surprised because at this point I'm about to have the baby. I'm like, do you need to? And she's like, um, I have to ask. And actually, I didn't ask earlier. So I said, OK, no, I don't want that. <laughs> um, and so she, she said, OK, fine. And she said, OK, Hannah, I'm just going to go and ask the second midwife to come in. And that's when I knew, OK, I'm in transition or transition has happened because um, she said to me before that no one else would come into the room, but she would have to have a second midwife uh, when I push. And then it was really important because the big difference between my head down baby and my and my breech baby was that I needed coaching somehow right. in the pushing stage. 
the first one I just listened and I just did what felt right and it could take long mm. but something that's really important in breach delivery and that I had found in my research was that the actual pushing stage needs to be a lot shorter because mm. if the body comes out first and the head is is having trouble getting out the baby might need help because if the body gets too stimulated the baby can try to take breath right before yeah yeah. And so I needed, I couldn't see what was happening because I was upright. And she said, it says in your, in your, um, in your birth preferences here that you have a yoga mat. And I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. So she put my, the midwife put my yoga mat out and she said, let's use this. Cause I, she said, do you want to get onto the bed? I said, no. And she said, okay, you're going to have your yoga mat. And then she got some pillows so that I can kneel on the pillows above the mat. And then Chris was in the chair in front of me so I could lean into him. So I was sort of on my knees, leaning forwards and she said, Hannah, don't push until she's like, I know you feel like you want to push, but now it's really important. You don't push until you absolutely can't not. Mm-hmm. And she said, just try and breathe through it, breathe through it, keep breathing, do your hypnobirthing, keep doing your hypnobirthing, go into your space. And I said, I need you. I said in the labor, I was like, I need you to help me. And, and she says, she says, no, you're doing this on your own. You don't need me. I'm just here to help you once baby's out. And she said, this is all you. Wow. I'm not going to do anything. And so she was just there watching and, and, and telling me. And I know this because I asked my doula to video. And I really regret that I didn't video my first birth. And I videoed the birth for me. So because birth is so special. Oh, yeah. It's I get so that. And I, again, it's my last birth birth and Chris yeah. said to the labor Hannah this is your last labor so you know and it makes me emotional when I think yeah. about it that is so powerful and to have your baby coming through you and out into the world however they come yeah. is just it should be the most special and sacred event and so the fact that the midwife said, I'm here, but I'm not going to touch your baby unless I have to. She yeah. said to me, trust yourself. You already know. You don't need me to tell you. You know what you're doing. And that made such amazing. a difference to me at the end because it was really hard. And I felt like all the stress of standing in up for myself and not going to theater because at this point now I'm not going to theater. I know I'm not. And you know, I just, it was just so overwhelming. The feeling, the energy in the room was just so strong and everyone was there for me and believed in me. And she said, so she said, I can see a foot. So that's when we know, okay, so her foot's coming out first, but not footling because um, one foot down, one foot up. Yeah. And so her foot was hanging out and she was doing a poo the baby at the time which is really common actually um so she the midwife said reach down and you can feel your baby and I reached down and I felt the leg and I was like what is that that must feel so <laughs> weird yeah and it's so soft and squidgy and it's like this little baby leg and and then the next part was really hard the next surge um I had to birth the leg that was up the foot was up by her head and the hip so the hip is folded right. and that is wide so the first leg came out so easily you know and then the second one it was really hard to birth it was a big push in the second contraction and then the next surge came and I tried to birth 
her arms, but she didn't come. And so the midwife said, I just need to check. And she said, I'm going to put my fingers and my finger in because I need to check, which happens sometimes the baby's supposed to, not supposed to, but the baby is nice if the arms are down and folded. But the, her arms are up behind her head like this. And so then they can become caught. And so she put her finger in to check. And it was the most painful thing. Oh, really? Like, yeah, it was so painful. And she said one of the arms is caught. And so she released the arm. And then it was like massive relief. So oh, now the other amazing. Arm out. Yeah, so it was really good that she did that. And I gave consent again. She asked me and I gave consent. And so I was really happy that that happened. And then, so now just the head is left. And so now both the midwives say to me, okay, Hannah, the head needs to come in one go. So just really save up your energy. And when you feel the surge coming, you have to give everything. And so now I'd been on my knees and then when after I birthed the legs, I came up into a low squat. And then to birth the arms, I moved into lunge position. Wow. And then after that, when to birth the head, I was standing, fully standing upright. And I just also wanted to mention that if you're going to have a vaginal breach delivery, it's amazing how your body puts itself into these positions. And the reason I know all the positions is again from the video, but at the time I couldn't have told you what was telling me. No one was telling me, oh, you need to move into this different position. I just was a hundred percent following my instinct. And I hadn't, again, I hadn't had any gas in there or anything, just my hypnobirthing and oils. So I, I felt very clear in the direction that I was receiving in myself. Yeah, and then I burst the, the head in the next push. Wow. And that was really hard because the body is so soft and squidgy. And then the head comes in, so it feels like a rock. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, I burst the head. And then the, the, midwi- the midwife said, okay, just hang on because the cord is around the neck. And the cord was around her neck twice. Wow. And uh, apart from that, the cord was anyways short. In both my pregnancies, the cord has been short. And so then later I'm thinking, well, of course she couldn't turn because no. if it's around her neck twice and the cord is short, there's no, no there's no way that she could have turned. But yeah, again, she didn't panic because I know the midwife, I know sometimes that they can be like the cords around the neck yeah. and this is everything but she didn't panic at all she just unwound the cord and then I had written lotus birth on my amazing yeah and I didn't actually intend to take the placenta home but I didn't want under any circumstances the cord to be cut so I wrote lotus birth so there was no confusion about like five minutes two minutes three minutes I wanted them just not to touch the cord at all and so Yeah. And so she came out and she was 3.4 kilos. So I guess that's seven pounds or something. Yeah, that's yeah. I know. I think my first was 3.3 maybe, which was about seven pound two. So yeah, it must be. Yeah, something like that. So she was not small like that. No, exactly. And she didn't cry, but she was very alert. And that was the same with Willow. She didn't cry either. She just was very alert and looking at me and then looking for food straight away Um, and the same with Chala so she came out and yeah that was the other thing I did we didn't know if you're having a girl or a boy and so Mm. obviously when she her body was out first and I was waiting for the surge for the head I was asking Chris to tell me is it a girl or a boy and then Chris said to me it's Chala Chala's here Um, that just gave me all the strength for the um for the final push 
and yeah and then so I I didn't realize as well that if in your subsequent births um the contractions that help deliver the placenta can be much more painful mm-hmm. and I have to say that I wouldn't describe surges in labor as pain although they're the most intense feeling you will ever feel in your life and there's no word to describe them it's they're not. not painful but delivering the placenta was painful because I was trying to hold my baby but then these surges that were mm. still coming were really intense and I asked the midwife can I what do you think about if I take that injection and she said to me she said Hannah you didn't want it and I said I know but it's been 45 <laughs> minutes and I'm bored of these surges like I just want to enjoy my golden hour and she said okay but let's just give it a little bit more time because you've come this far and you did everything yourself even though everyone wanted you to go to theater you didn't go yeah and she said just give it a little bit more time and another 15 minutes and the placenta came wow. and I was so glad that she did that she talked me back to my plan because I was so there's nothing wrong in taking the injection but I had gotten this far and yeah. it, she just supported me that last step yeah. Oh, she's she sounds amazing, that midwife. She was amazing. And then later she tells me afterwards, you know, she was measuring the baby or doing what they have to do, the checks. She gave me so much time, like two hours before mm-hmm. she did anything. She just wrote everything down and then went away. And then Chris and I had time and the doula was there and she gave us space as well. Um, and actually my doula was born breach herself so I wow. had my just by chance that she was breached and then she was there for my breech delivery and then this midwife who delivered us she had a breech baby herself oh my goodness she had ended up having a section because that was about 20 years ago that yeah. she had her breech and so it was very like um cathartic for her she described because she wanted to deliver vaginally but she got talked out of it and but then she was there for me and it was only her second time ever delivering or helping assist a breach wow I thought she would have been so experienced because she coached me the whole time you know and it just goes to show that actually it's not maybe about hands-on experience but also what you believe yeah it's also they they have instincts too like midwives also have their own instincts so she was probably led as well a lot by her own instinct yeah and then afterwards, she told me that the doctors were outside the door, but she she said to them, they're not allowed in. Yeah, we didn't <laughs> so need those. Were, didn't need them. Yeah, so they were both there, the ones that had came in. And then um, also the NICU doctor yeah. was there, but we didn't need, Chala yeah. didn't need any resuscitation. She Amazing. was like 8.9 on that. And she went up to 10 after a few minutes. And Amazing. So her color was good. She was latched straight away. Um, she was very relaxed and she is a relaxed baby yeah <laughs> Four months later and I just I, it was just really everything was just so incredible and I'm so glad that I listened to my instinct but also that I reached out to people to support me I didn't do it on my own you know from the very first person I asked Caroline my friend who's the midwife yeah and she reassured me and then reaching out to people I'd never met on the Facebook group and Kemi Johnson yeah. and people like that who who stood by me and said there's so much support there really it's amazing yeah it's amazing we're very actually lucky now that there is like just so many people out there that you could talk to and get advice from it's amazing yeah it's so it's so incredible and having a doula 
um I just really think everybody should have a doula she was yeah. so invaluable to me and the way she she did pressure points on my back through the surges and that was able to, that that made me able to continue to relax and Chris tried to do them and he just couldn't do it right yeah she knew so, what she was doing with it I suppose yeah. didn't she? and it's nice I think for the partner not to always have to carry yeah. all the responsibility it's nice to have a doula who wants to be there and share the space and yeah I, I just think it's so worth it. Um, and I would also, I just, it's just amazing. Birth is amazing. It's, it's such a good story. I mean, I've, I've felt like engrossed in your story the whole time you've been telling it. It's just so interesting. And I think just also such a good example of the difference that people make in someone's experience and the language they use. You know, when you had Willow, you said you got to the, midwife uh, clinic and she hugged you and you know yeah. the difference between that and then I mean I know your your midwife um in Cornwall was lovely but those doctors like the difference that the way someone is yeah and the language they use and how they talk to you how they talk about you has such a, such an impact on how it makes you feel yeah absolutely and I really you know, we also forget that the baby is experiencing the labor too. And yeah. I think that if you make the mother feel stressed and scared, the baby feels stressed and scared. And so exactly. when they're telling you, oh, this is for the good of the baby, it's almost like they're dismissing you both and just telling you, yeah. you know, what they want to do. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's a really scary thing. And to say that you don't want to do what they want to do, you do feel like you're not an, a good person or you're not a nice person no. and that you're being rude somehow for saying no. But then, you know, if you yeah. can if you can really feel that what's right for you and I'm so happy because I believe that Chala was meant to come out of me the way she did. Yeah, absolutely. Um, she that will empower her and her own births if she chooses to have children yeah. you know in decades to come and I the reason I wrote these stories and I'm so passionate about them is because they are a part of my children as much as they are a part of me and having not ha had my mother through to support me through my pregnancies I really wanted yeah. to record every detail and for them to know when I had to stand up for myself and the challenges that I had because it's not easy and pregnancy and labor are not easy easy and you have to be quite strong sometimes and it that's you know like you said before when you're later into your pregnancy it's not always so easy to keep fighting everybody but you do yeah. have to be strong sometimes to fight against the system and to get what you want and it isn't always easy yeah and also to believe that how incredible birth is because yeah. I think that the media and movies and books and things are so terrifying and then you get yeah. you become resigned to the fact that oh everyone has to everyone has to go through it to get children like that's just the price you pay for having children when actually believe it or not I will always be sentimental and nostalgic for my births if you yeah. told me right now that I have to go back into the labor of Chala or the labor of Willow, I would go back. Yeah, yeah, go back. exactly. Yeah, what a lovely thing to feel as well. How amazing to feel like that. So many people don't. So it's lovely to feel like you would happily do that again and you would do everything yeah. the same way. Yeah, I would.
I would definitely. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story. It's it's been really, really interesting, both of them, but particularly Charla's birth has just been amazing. And um, yeah, as soon as I read it, I thought I need I need to hear more about her birth and share it because so many people are going to find it really interesting, even if, even if they're not having a breech baby, like it's still very inspirational as to how you can approach giving birth you know, no matter what yeah. your circumstances are. So yeah, it's amazing. Thank you so much. Well, thank you for having me because I love your podcast. And even though I'm not pregnant anymore, I still listen to oh, your dear. episodes. Yeah, I love everything to do with birth. So I, and I just love your mentality and ethos. So um, it's such a pleasure. And I really hope that um, someone hears my story that needs to hear it. They I'm will, just, they absolutely will. There'll be somebody. Find the people you need to support you. Yeah. Don't stop until you find them because there are people out there that will support you and you just need to find the right people. Yeah, they're there. There are people, like you said, you can find them. But yeah, sometimes you might have to look a bit harder, but yeah, they're definitely there. Yeah. Well, perfect. Thank you so much, Hannah. And yeah, it's been lovely talking to you and lovely to meet you. And yeah, well done. (laughs) Great job. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I do feel very proud. (laughs) Yeah, you should. You really should. It's amazing. It really is. Thank you so much. And um, yeah, thank you. Thank you too. Thanks so much. Bye. So a big, big thank you to Hannah for taking the time to share her story with me. Hopefully you guys loved it as much as I did. And hopefully you can see why I had trouble editing it. There's nothing within it that I think... I could have edited out you know I didn't want to lose any of it uh, because it was really really interesting and hopefully you guys have taken something from it as well I will be back in two weeks time with another amazing episode that I am just as excited about um, so I will speak to you guys then goodbye